the Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a compliment to the Numinous School, an online intuition development course for people who want their self-awareness to serve a greater good. Hi, I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and this week my guest is the lovely Lauren Bacon. She's a business coach and strategist for creatives and entrepreneurs, and we're talking about imposter syndrome and comparison. I connected with Lauren over the phone. She was at home in Vancouver, B.C. So Lauren, tell me a bit about imposter syndrome and how you came to learn of it and how you're working with that concept. Well, I think like most people, I, I, I encountered imposter syndrome by experiencing it myself. <laughs> um, imposter syndrome, for those who aren't familiar with it, is that feeling of who me or, uh, or in the kind of infamous words of, of, or famous words of the talking heads, you know, how did I get here? Um, I, you know, it's, it happens to a lot of people when they um, are in a place that maybe they didn't expect to get to, you know, for maybe on a career front, um, perhaps financially, whatever, when they get to a place where they kind of realize, oh my gosh, somebody's going to find out that I didn't actually earn this place. Somebody's going to discover that I'm a fraud. Um, I'm, you know, I don't really know as much as everybody thinks I do. So, um, and one of the things that I've noticed about it is, I think I think it's particularly common with people who are both ambitious and conscientious. Mm. So they they are people who strive to achieve things in their lives. Um, so they're working hard to get somewhere. Um, and at the same time, they're very, you know, they're very thoughtful about how they do that. And they're very conscious of how much they don't know. And, and I think in so many um, professional contexts, especially, we, uh, the more we, the more we learn, the more we realize we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be, um, that can be illuminating and it can be encouraging, but it can also sometimes feel frightening and, um, and sometimes it can be a bit of a trap because we can get to a place where we go, oh my gosh, I, you know, I know nothing when in fact we have 10 or more, you know, years of experience in something, um, or it doesn't even need to be counted in years, but you know, we, we may have some degree of expertise or mastery that we don't recognize. So, um, so I became very interested in this subject because what I see is that it, it holds a lot of people back from um, from really stepping into their power, um, I guess, and, and stepping into um, the work that, that they really want to do fully, you know, and being fully present in it because they're distracted by this feeling that um, – that they have to continue to to be earning their place there in this kind of frantic way. And so there's a lot of energy being drained away by this feeling of, of not quite belonging there. Um, and, uh, and one of my passions is supporting um, entrepreneurs and particularly women entrepreneurs and women leaders. And so I've, um, you know, I've, I've given a lot of thought to it and I've worked with a lot of clients around overcoming uh, those habits and overcoming those thought patterns um, to to just really 
stand in in our full power mm-hmm. and um, and it's not about power over you know I really want to emphasize that but it's just about um, really claiming our place in the circle claiming our place in the conversations that are happening um, and that and that's you know that's across the board it's universal I I know many many men who struggle with this as well absolutely but I you know I have to say so my my practice as a as an intuitive and a hypnotherapist is about you know 90 percent women maybe 95 uh, mm-hmm. but for both the men and the women I have to say you've just described 99 percent of them I I want to say 100, but I can't speak for everybody. But honestly, (laughs) people feel, even if they're not in a a position of leadership, I think there are um, so many people who feel like they are a sham or a fraud because outwardly, you know, they look really together, but inwardly they're questioning a lot or they're, they're feeling as though they're not doing enough. And so many of my clients Mm -hmm. want to make a contribution, you know, they, they, they're, they're moving through their life going, can this be it? Can I really just be a nurse or can I go help kids in Africa? You know, like they're every, every one of them is really is seeking to make the most of this one life. And they don't even, um, you know, I, I guess what I would say is that they, they're not just exploring spiritually, or developing personally for their own gain. They really do want to be in service to a greater good. And yet they come up against this feeling of being a sham because they should have it all together by now. And this, this voice, the critic in their head is undermining them all the time. And they think, well, how can I lead others when I'm full of self-doubt? It's such a, a vicious cycle. So I'm really interested. So I too become interested in this in my own work because I think that what I've seen in my own experience, I'll speak for myself, spiritually speaking, my self-esteem is really strong. It would never occur to me to question my inner voice, my inner knowing. I think that for most people, following their inner voice and their intuition is a huge risk because that that's such an independent act. It takes you outside of the collective. You know, if you're really mm-hmm. thinking and, and following your own wisdom, it's a huge risk because you risk rejection. I feel that intellectually. So I tend to idolize people who are highly intelligent. And I can see in myself, it's because I don't think I have really strong self-esteem intellectually. Now, somebody mm-hmm. told me the other day, they said, well, your self-esteem is, is, you know, it's about wholeness. So you either have it or you don't. And I, I don't know if I agree with that. I'm curious mm, what, mm-hmm. how, how, what you see and what, what you feel about that. Can you have a strong self-esteem in one area and then sort of be suffering in another? And, or is imposter syndrome kind of a holistic concept? What a great question. Well, I, I, th- I mean, yeah, I think, of course, you can have high self-esteem in one area and low in another. I, I mean, absolutely. I think we, most of us feel more confident in some areas of our life and, and less in others. Um, you know, I think where, where I see imposter syndrome hitting, like a really classic example would be, um, in my work, would be somebody, uh, one of my clients getting invited to speak at a conference. Um, and so uh, it would be, you know, so they, they would get an invitation to speak at a conference and their instant reaction is, 
oh my gosh, what do, I don't have anything to say. And this audience is going to be full of people who know much more than I do. And, um, you know, what could I possibly contribute that's not just going to get shot down? So absolutely there is an inner critic component and there's a, and there's a fear of the outer, right? There's mm-hmm. a, there's a, so, so, um, so yes, you're right that there's, that there's a social component to it. It's like, well, you know, what, you know, am, am I going to be found out? Am I going to be discovered as a fraud? Um, and what I think what we, the, the fallacy, the logical fallacy is that the inner critic is obsessed with what everybody's thinking about us. But of course, most people are too busy thinking about themselves <laughs> to, to worry that much about everybody else anywhere, anywhere near as much as our inner critics do. Mm-hmm. So there is a real fear of the outer there, I think. You know, we, we are worried about what other people think. And that fear is coming from within us. So, so it's, you know, so it's both, it's both and, um, and, you know, I think what happens is we get, we get so caught up um, in the fear of what other people think of us that we don't really stop to think, to ask ourselves, is that true? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, not only is it, is, is it true that other people are waiting to judge us, but also, um, you know, is it true that I don't have anything to contribute? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think the, the other thing that I think we get caught up in is, is sort of comparing people, comparing ourselves to other people as though there's, there is some possibility that we could do an apples to apples comparison oh, of two right. human beings. Right? right. So it's like, well, that person knows so much more than I do about this thing. So clearly they're more qualified. Well, are, are they, are they, you know, are they as gifted a speaker as you? Do they have as good stories as you? Do they connect with the with all of the audience the same way that you will? I mean, I think we all have seen examples of, you know, people, two people telling the same story or similar stories, and you connect with one more strongly and somebody else is going to connect with the other, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I mean, we wouldn't have a book publishing industry if that weren't the case, because there aren't that many new stories in the world, right? You know, yeah, yeah. At the, you know, at the at the kind of foundational level, right? So, um, yeah. So I think we 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 tend. What happens is that that inner critic gets obsessed with um, the 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 content really of what we're going to say, um, rather than the the whole person that we bring to every to every situation right and I do think that it's a site-specific thing there are some areas in which you know I feel very confident and then there will be other areas where I you know I'm I'm comparing myself and I think it's important to make that distinction too that imposter syndrome and comparison are related but they're but they're not exactly the same because no, when no. you know they're I don't when I think about comparison I I have to say like I I don't I don't think I measure myself against other people so much and yet imposter syndrome is very um relevant to me because I think mm-hmm. I have some invisible ceiling of always out of reach for myself I don't I don't even know where this benchmark's coming from so it's not so much that I I feel less than another person it's just that I can never live up to my own hopes and dreams I guess does that make sense too that yeah that's right and and I think that the I think what's really helpful for me about the framework of imposter syndrome is just the awareness that it brings 
um, and the framework it provides for thinking about it. Because what I now know, or what I what I now believe to be true, is that is that yeah is that absolutely the farther that I climb, if you want to use that metaphor, in whatever area of my life, um, the more there will be that I do not know, mm-hmm. and and so that the intensity of that inner critic. Uh, will actually only increase to some extent. So it's not about, it's, I think what, what happens is that we have the wrong expectation. We have the expectation that when we get to a certain point, we should start to automatically feel confident. Mm-hmm. Um, but in fact, the inverse is true. When we, get to a, we get to a certain point and we just start to feel more and more inadequate because <laughs> there's more and more that we're aware that we don't know. There's more and more that we see that we could be more competent at and um, and uh, and because we have that that wrong expectation um, we don't uh, we don't we 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 trust our inner critic rather than seeing it as what it is and seeing it for what it is and saying oh okay so I'm becoming more conscious of the areas in which I'm incompetent Right? right, or I'm becoming more conscious of how much more there is to learn, and I'm going to meet that. You know, and so you can choose to meet that in many different ways. You can choose to meet that voice with total trust and just say, "Oh, you're totally right. I suck. I'm a terrible person. I'm I totally don't deserve to be here." You know, or you can choose to meet it and say, "Oh, that's interesting that you think that. Tell me more." Right. <laughs> or, I mean, or in, in, in any number of ways, right? Like I have a friend whose uh, preferred tactic for dealing with his inner critic is, uh, is to kind of go into fight mode. So, so he, he takes on his inner critic. He's like, he's like, oh, yeah, is that the best you got? Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> give me everything you got lay it all out and he just kind of lets his inner critic exhaust himself it's like you know an intellectual rope-a-dope technique right. <laughs> you know um you know but another way of looking at it is to is to approach the inner critic and say um okay like there's a an, a wonderful coach um named tara sophia moore who oh, I love um, her. who who articulated something beautifully which was, um, you know, a lot of people ask, well, how do I know the difference between helpful internal feedback or, and the inner critic? And she says, well, it's all about, you know, it's all about the tone, right? It's all about the tone and, and, and a little bit about the content of what you're hearing. So if that inner voice is saying to you, um, oh, like, you're so stupid. How could you ever imagine that you're going to master this? That's that's the inner critic, plain right. and simple. It's not helpful feedback because there's nowhere you can go from there. It's a labeling, it's judging, it's diminishing, and there's no sense of creative possibility, you know. And but helpful internal feedback is well. So I guess I have more to learn in this department. How can I learn that? Right. Would it, or you know, would it, is it important for me to learn that? Um, is there somebody else I could turn to for support with that? You know, helpful internal feedback leaves room for possibility. 
you know, invites collaboration with you and wants to, you know, wants to work towards something. Whereas the inner critic just wants to kind of make you feel terrible and and leaves you in that stuck feeling, you know? Yeah. I I love that you brought up Tara Sophia Moore because even in this conversation, my inner critic has hopped in when I said to you, does that make sense? Because I read a great (laughs) blog post that she did on that question that women frequently, she sees them present. And then at the end, she'll look at the room and say, makes sense, everyone. And she said, just strike that. Because that implies that you you think you're not making any sense and, and right. you know it's like <laughs> of course you're making sense that, exactly yeah. and so what she said and that you could say and said is you know you you complete your sentence and then say I look forward to hearing your thoughts on that mm-hmm. as a way to invite greater dialogue rather than putting yourself in the position of um, sublimating like I must have screwed this up. So you tell me yeah. how I could be more clear. So for you to bring her up just totally reminded me yeah. of. Yeah. And so my tools for that, um, you know, you talked about you get invited to speak. And this, what what often I find happens, and I see this in my clients too, is those first two things you think are I'm not ready and I'm not worthy. And I yeah. really think that those questions can be uh followed up with, do I feel safe? And do I feel enough? So Mm -hmm. the do I feel safe Mm -hmm. question is really like, okay, so what do I need to feel more safe? You know, do I need to be grounded? Do I need to do some more research? Do I need to, you know, what are the, the tangible things I can do? And do I feel enough is really a question of connection, like, you know, with your whatever your your core your higher self your whatever you feel is your your essence your your ultimate worth and there are so many different practices you know spiritual emotional that we can do um some people even just have swipe files of all of their great accolades or great emails they've ever gotten yeah. and they go to that to reconnect yep. with the core of yes i am enough so how do we i i i i i like these tools for how to address um, that habit of either comparing or having the inner critic come out. But do you have ideas for how we can just stop the habit? Like what, what did you do to actually just stop in different areas or, or can you really? Well, I think the bottom line ultimately is, is going to be doing it anyway. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the, that is the thing that will get you over it. Right. So for me, my, my, any, any fear I have of public speaking is law is far behind me now because I've just done it over and over again. Um, And of course I wasn't great all the time, you know, Um, but you know, eventually you start to get comfortable, you start to learn what works and you, and you forgive yourself for falling off the perverse proverbial bike a few times Mm -hmm. you know it's like well yeah so I was learning something new I was learning a new skill and so I had to I had to practice um so practicing is important I I think yeah grounding and connecting um to yourself is incredibly important I one of the practices that I recommend for people who um, may not have any spiritual practice um or inclinations at all is um, comes from a, a TED talk that Amy Cuddy did, mm-hmm. uh, which is just to strike a power pose for two minutes. 
Um, and that, and she, so she describes that there are, so she's a researcher who's done a lot of work around um, the impact that our, um, our posture and the way we hold ourselves has on our self-esteem, on our confidence. And she describes that, you know, the Wonder Woman pose, you know, feet right. hip width, or, yeah, feet shoulder width apart and hands on hips right. uh, and shoulders back. If you stand like that for two minutes, um, you will perform better. People will receive you differently. It is uh, amazing. I, I highly recommend her TED Talk on it. Um, the other is the, the victory lap pose, you know, with arms way above your head. Right. Essentially, the, 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 the kind of basic idea is that uh, when we get big, when we allow our bodies to take up space, um, it's uh, that it, it kind of nourishes our sense of self and that we enter a room differently afterwards. Right. Um, and, we, and, we, and, we t- and we take on a task differently. So um, the, the re- research she did had people doing sample job interviews. Um, and, and the people who'd done these power postures were hired at a far higher rate. And, um, and then she had people, you know, sort of curling up or hunching the shoulders and doing that for two minutes and going in and, you know, having, having much lower success rates. So, um, so that's something that I recommend is just do a, do a power pose for a couple of minutes when you're in a state of, um, of self-questioning yeah. or just if you, if you notice it coming on, you know, I, I think with so many of these mental habits, um, that's the first step to, to stopping it is to notice it going on and go, Oh, gotcha. I see you inner critic. And, Right, <laughs> and I I hear that familiar refrain, um, and you know I I don't think I'm interested right now. So I right. you know and, and you got to change you kind of got to change the channel somehow, mm-hmm. um, and you know how you do that is for me a lot of my work right now is is just embodiment practice. So it's it's the deep breaths, it's the going for a walk, it's dancing, you know, yeah. just. Really, yeah, really shifting the energy physically, and I find that my mind follows exactly. Well. Yeah, nourishing the sense of self is a beautiful phrase that you used, and I'm wondering about how we do that with those around us when they are feeling, say, small. Um, if you're a person who's frequently the subject of comparison, that can you know, that, that can really damage relationships. If, if say there's a girlfriend who's like, Oh God, I don't want to see your Facebook anymore. Cause it's, your life is always so great or whatever, oh, you, know? Yes. you know, and, and it's sort of like, wow, you're really, you're hurting. And I, and I hear that. And I also, you know, I, I, I've sometimes been in the position where it's like, I, I don't really know what to do with that exactly. Cause it, it, I then feel in myself, a diminished capacity for joy in my own experience sometimes because I'm aware of other people feeling like they have less or they're doing less or what have you and ooh, super awkward uncomfortable conversations to have Um, but how would you say we can support a friend who we can see is is in the throes of the critic oh yeah that's that's a rich question I you know I think um there's a lot going on there, right? Because there's on, on the friend's side, there's this feeling of not enoughness of compare of chronic comparison of seeing, of, of looking at um, her whole life um, 
you know, in comparison to what's showing up on her Facebook feed, <laughs> right? Which right. is, I, I, you know, which I, I describe as like, you, you know, you're focusing on the blooper reel while watching somebody else's highlight reel, right? Yes. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so that's like, that's a really tough place for that, for that friend to be in. And then for you to be the target of those projections, right, which is what yeah. they are. Right. Um, so she's projecting her sense of inadequacy onto you and saying, you're, you're to blame for my sense of inadequacy. <laughs> right. um, you know, the impact on you of, of hearing that is, oh, well, I should keep myself small and I should, uh, I should, you know, portion out my joy in appropriate doses right. <laughs> or whatever. Right. And, um, and I think, you know, that's, it's so, it's such a prevalent, prevalent narrative out there these days, you know, mm-hmm. stop showing me your perfect life mm-hmm. um, on Instagram. I mean, the, the level of vitriol that gets levied at people like Gwyneth Paltrow for just right. being Gwyneth Paltrow, yeah. um, you know, I, I find uh, totally astonishing. Now, I mean, I, you know, I don't, it's not that I don't get some of where it comes from, but it's just, it's like, the bottom line is, is that for me is that, is it, you know, the bottom line is it's a comparison and it's projection and it's, mm-hmm. you know, you're blaming somebody you've never met for your sense of not being happy. Yes. Um, and expending a lot of energy thinking about Gordon's Paltrow, who apparently <laughs> grabs your thing. <laughs> Um, but I think, you know, the, the framework that I use most often in conversations like that, if I, if I need to have a conversation like that is, um, is one I learned from my partner actually, who has a background in negotiation and it's the framework of intent versus impact. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's to separate out the person's intent from the impact it had on you. So to say, to, to say something like, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what you meant when you said that, or I don't know what your intention was, but so, you know, the impact it had on me was that it made me feel like you, you know, like I'm not allowed to share the things that make me happy mm-hmm. <laughs> for fear of making you feel bad. And I really don't want you to feel bad, but I also would love for you to celebrate with me. Yeah. Um, I love so, that. That's you know, just so can we clear. Have a con- can we have a conversation about like what you, you know, what kind of support you need or you know, how we can, how I can help you make your life more joyful or you know, or maybe, you know, cuz cuz at the end of the day, what you, I think what you don't want is for is for your life to be constrained um by yeah, for you to to diminish your joy, yeah, right? for the well, sake of Sorry, I was just going to say and imagined impact. So exactly, yeah. yeah, and and I I just it's so empowering. I'm excited about that idea of intent versus impact because it's such clean communication. You know, mm-hmm. there's no comparison or blame or well, you did this or you know, it's just so clean exactly. to say. Yeah. So it takes when it this out. happened, I felt yeah. this. I don't know that that was your intention. I doubt that it was. Uh, that's a beautiful yeah. connecting phrase. Yeah, I, I mean, I use it in so many contexts. It's helpful for any, con- you know, any conversations about bias, for example. Mm. You know, so rather than me saying, you know, you're, you're really sexist. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, I can say, well, so I don't know what your intention was there. But so you know, it, you know, the impact it had on me was that it made me, made me feel like, um, 
like you don't think that the women's voices are as important because you kept talking over us, you know, nice. or what, whatever it was, you know. Yeah. So um, that's just one example. But what what the but the huge difference is I'm not I'm not labeling you. Right. So I'm not saying, um, Carmen, you're robbing me of joy <laughs> or, <laughs> right. or Carmen, you're a bad friend or anything, you know, or, or Carmen, you're a super sexist. Right. I'm. I'm, I'm just, I'm saying that behavior that I just saw, that was problematic. Yeah. Um, so can we talk about, can we figure out a way to shift the behavior or to, you know, figure out what just happened so that we can move on? Yeah. Um, and it also leaves room for people's enormous capacity for change and for creative collaboration. You know, it makes room for, um, it, it shows that I trust that you want to make this relationship work. Right. Yeah. And, and that I trust that you are actually a really good person who I care about. And so I want to engage in this conversation. Oh, I, so true. I'm, what an exciting conversation about super difficult, awkward topics. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Okay, just as we bring this conversation to a close, Lauren, I'm going to ask you one last question. And it comes from the Proust questionnaire. And uh, it's concise but quite broad. So what do you consider perfect happiness? Um, I feel like with most things, there's an inner and an outer dimension mm-hmm. um, to things. So, so the inner dimension is just love and compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, that's the inner. Um, and the outer would probably be like the outer expression of perfect happiness for me would be having a great big dinner party with kids running around and adults enjoying wine and cooking in the kitchen. And um, the word that I love for this is conviviality. Oh, good word. Oh, I love that word. And I really appreciate that your vision of perfect happiness really echoes the conversation we've been talking about today about that the (laughs) inner dimension and the outer dimension. They're always both Mm -hmm. present. Well, this has been a lovely and convivial conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show, Lauren. I really appreciate it. Oh, my great, great pleasure. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Remember how I said in that interview that I tend to idolize highly intelligent people? I didn't need to say that, did I? You could totally tell how much I love her, love her mind. When Lauren started off and described the uh, typical um, uh, victim, let's say, of imposter syndrome as being somebody who is ambitious and conscientious, admit it, you felt like she was talking to you, right? I know. And so I loved the helpful distinction she gave between um, when it's internal feedback and when it's just criticism. The helpful internal feedback invites collaboration and anything else is just trying to make you feel like crap. And the other great tool that Lauren gave us in that interview was that of separating intent from impact. I can definitely see that one coming in handy when I'm feeling irritated or when there's an awkward conversation in my future. Today's show notes can be found on my blog at 
carmenspaniola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. That's where you'll find the links to Lauren's website and all of her social media uh, contact details to follow her, and also the excellent resources that she mentioned, Tara Sophia Moore, I'll put her website there, and also the link to Amy Cuddy's TED Talk. I want to thank Lauren for coming on the show and thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate your review on iTunes and also if you'd share it far and wide because you never know who needs to hear it right now. If you'd like to keep exploring the great mystery of life with me, you can go to my website, carmenspaniola.com, and click the link for the Numinous School, my online intuition development course. While you're there, sign up for my monthly email newsletter. You'll instantly receive a meditation download and you'll get something free from me every month. Until next time, take care.